0: Welcome to Back to Debbie It's 7 a.m. Eastern Time, the only time zone that is eagerly awaiting Quinn Ewers' return. We are the premier Debbie show brought to you by Canvas to Ken. I'm your host, Mike, and this is my co host, Corey. We are officially in the conference play. Corey, let's hear some news.
1: Yeah, so first we'll head over to Texas A&M over here and talk about quarterback Max Johnson, who could be out for Texas A&M. They could potentially go back to Haines King, or maybe we get to see five-star freshman Connor Wegman get some run if we are lucky. Um, But they will be playing Alabama this weekend, so it might not be his best spot for his debut. Maybe just let King go out there and get slaughtered. Um, But speaking of Alabama, quarterback Bryce Young is day-to-day with that shoulder sprain that knocked him out of the game last week. Um, He did apparently do a few minor things in practice this week. So maybe not so far off from a return Um, in that same game as well, though, Arkansas quarterback uh, KJ Jefferson also day to day after uh, leaving during that game as well. He's not practiced at all this week. So if that's somebody you're relying on this weekend, um, I would not be expecting him to play Um, West Virginia, hard throb running back slash tight end CJ Donaldson had a pretty serious looking head injury uh, last week, got carted off in a very scary looking situation. Um, good news is everything seemed to check out okay. Uh, he got the okay to fly back with the team, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see if he's that he's going to be out for a while. Uh, kind of hurts our C2C rosters for sure, but hopefully he gets to return to the field sooner than later. Um, over at Ohio State now... Um, Running back Trayvon Henderson was a surprise scratch last week. Um, Early reports are saying that he's going to be back this week, so maybe it was kind of a competition thing. They didn't feel like they needed him. Uh, Mayan Williams went off for five touchdowns last week, so uh, that was pretty fun to see. I'm sure Felix is enjoying that one. Um, And we're starting to see a little bit more coaching firings as teams teams start to get uh, a little bit impatient with the way their teams are going. Um, Looking at Wisconsin, Colorado, and Georgia Tech now joining ASU and Nebraska in teams who are all starting to look for a new head coach. Um, that about wraps up the news here for midweek, but uh, make sure you guys are keeping it locked on the c c podcast feed for everything you guys need to know leading up to week six.
0: All right, let's roll into some week five reactions here. Alabama, who we talk about every week because they're Debbie, they're Debbie gold mines here. Mm-hmm. The freshman wide receivers, man, Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond. Now, Isaiah Bond was someone that we were definitely high on early on. Uh, looks like he's getting some playing time now, dude. We already talked about Kobe Prentice enough. Let's talk a little bit. About Isaiah Bond, two for 76. Caught a pretty big bomb there. Thoughts on Isaiah Bond so far.
1: Yeah, like you said, this was a guy that me and you originally liked the most out of this group probably pretty much. Made a pretty flashy appearance um, where he absolutely just blazed by everybody for I think about a 50, 53-yard gain, something like that. Exploded off the line, was super far from the closest secondary defender by the time he caught the ball. It was honestly unreal. Like That speed just like popped up like crazy. This guy got world-class speed. It was littered all over his high school tape and all maybe we thought this guy was going to be one of the more raw wide receivers in this class, but he's already getting the playing time early and he's making a pretty big impact. Um, and the other guy on the other side here with Kobe Prentice actually led the team in receiving with three catches, 92 yards, one touchdown. You know, he took that short slant to the, uh, and took it to the house. It was almost reminiscent of a little bit of Odell Beckham with the Giants. Like, that's kind of what it reminded me of when he was doing that on a weekly basis, taking that slant, breaking it off to the house. You know, he's just that guy, that guy you got to want to get the ball in his hands and let him do work. You know, I think it was you actually last week who pointed out, um, or maybe it was a few weeks ago, that, uh Alabama's closest game this year against Texas that Kobe actually played a bunch of snaps and you know and here we go again with a tough game and who did they turn to it was Kobe Prentice right off the bat so to me it seems like they really like this kid and, and he might be the guy that we should be paying attention to the most in this wide receiver core
0: no absolutely he definitely is we all know that Jermaine Burton is dead R.I.P. <laughs>
1: <laughs> pour, uh, it's time to pour one out. Cause I was really hoping for that one. I don't know Same. what's going on with him, but I mean, it's, it, he, it j- just is who he is at this point. I mean, we've been making excuses for the past couple of years now, every, every excuse in the book. And I'm out of excuses, man. Pour one out.
0: I'm with you there. He's athletic and like, let's say he goes to the draft. He tests well. He's got the Alabama tag. If he gets, let's say that day two draft capital, like third round, I'm still out. I mean, he's, he's been athletic and he demonstrates he can't separate at a college level. We already knew he's athletic. I'm not going to be surprised. Come combine, we post some really good numbers. So this is a guy that I am out for Debbie. I'm not just out for this year. Like I am out for Debbie. Like, this is it. Like, that's it. I mean, unless he returns next year and he shows he can separate. But if he goes to the next level, I'm I'm not I'm not in it. But, yeah, back to Kobe Prince this year. It's just interesting that, like, these freshmen stick around, right? I called it out last week saying that freshmen tend to disappear against conference play. That's the games that really matter. People want to play their vets. Uh, this, this core is just kind of depleted. So we're getting to see these guys uh, for saving system that don't really get opportunities. Now we knew Kobe was going to be sticking around. He demonstrated, demonstrated that during the Texas game, but Isaiah bond is just such a surprise to me. Cause like you said, uh, just like the freshman guy, dude, he's just athletic and raw. His numbers out of high school really weren't that prolific either. He didn't really put up huge numbers in high school. So it's just really cool seeing him get on the field, I talk about year one zero a lot. He's on that path now to be a non-zero. I was a little skeptical about if anyone could do this on this court at this point in time. So it looks like it's going to be Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice are now the future of the Alabama wide receiver core, And uh, can't wait. Now let's talk about the guy throwing them the ball this game. Let's talk about Jalen Milrow. He was your, I want to say QB4 for next year's class. Like yeah,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. QB. Okay, that's that's <laughs> a little too high. Uh, I got over somewhere around like QB7 or eight or something like that. Right, okay. Right. So. You,
0: you were high on him. You talked about him last week. You at least mentioned him. How do you think he look? You you think he holds his weight so far? He's not, he's you know, he's he up training? What's going on?
1: Yeah. Um, he didn't have the greatest game, of course. He wasn't really expected to to play him much in this game. Of course, there is something to be said to being ready at every point, uh, making sure you can come in and be ready. You know, this guy's just a a much different play style than, than uh, Bryce Young, right? He's much more of a gunslinger, big, big arm, maybe doesn't throw with as much touch, um, kind of aggressive in nature, strong rushing third. He had that 70, that 70 plus yard rushing touchdown in this game. Um, Wasn't a perfect game, um, but it, it was against a tough Arkansas team. He did help finish the win for Alabama, um, he just might be more closer to that like that Jalen Hurts mold of Alabama quarterback than he is the the Bryce Young or Tua or even or even Mac Jones type of of that rhythmic and technically sound quarterbacks. You know, um, but he does seem have some some tremendous upside, and we're seeing it now even with Hurts in the NFL, who I wasn't even that huge on coming into the NFL, but we're seeing what he can become if he kind of puts it all together. And I think Jalen Milrow kind of has a lot of those similar tools, so. I'm kind of excited for him. I think he actually has a pretty good shot to start for Alabama next year. I'm not completely out on that. I know a lot of people are excited for Simpson, but I think Jalen Millrow's got a, got a chance. You know, I, I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost willing to say this is a 50, 50, but everybody fights me back on that. So maybe, maybe I'm going to put it at a 45, 65 or something like that. But I, I really do think it's 50, 50 starts next year.
0: No, I'm, I'm actually with you. I do think it's Millrow here. He's getting snaps each of these blowouts. Uh, he's yeah. So he's played for the last five games, obviously not Texas, Oh wait, did you play Texas? No, I'm sorry. Hurt, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like it was like he got hurt. But those Quinn years got hurt. Sorry. Anyway, scratch that. Jalen Milrow has got playing time. Easton they've blown out a, a an offense here, so it, it definitely looks like they're going to him. They want him getting the reps, getting ready for next year. So I'm with you. He's starting next year. I don't know how good he's gonna be. I think he he's obviously not as good as Bryce Young. I mean, it's kind of lofty, but. As far as like Alabama quarterbacks go, dude, I'm I'm a little nervous. He just doesn't seem comfortable and he's a backup. So maybe I'm being like unfair, you know, cause he's a backup playing with the ones now, uh, but he definitely has some work to go, but I definitely believe he is in line to start next year. So that's at least interesting. And you can't, I mean, it's really hard to fade Alabama options here. Uh, also his body type, because I, I care about size and stuff, six foot two, two twelve. But like when you see like a photo of him on the field, like that guy is like he's built, man. He's Dude like is ripped,
1: man. Like <laughs> I think someone see- put a tweet a tweet out there recently that he was like the Derrick Henry of quarterbacks or something. <laughs> like, but which is obviously he's not big enough to be that, but he just looks that ripped. He's a very sculpted human being.
0: You, yeah, you don't see quarterbacks built the way he's built, which was kind of weird to me. Like I like I don't know what to do with this information, but I'm letting you guys know he does yeah. not have the typical yeah. QB build by any chance so but yeah love to see him next year let's roll to our next one here it's a guy we haven't talked about but definitely has been mentioned quite a bit in the debbie circles and that's dominic Lovett. he is leading the sec in receiving yards now typically i could care less about that because again non-conference play but we are now into conference play and he put up some decent numbers against georgia and that defense there six for like 84 something like that along those lines Have you you got any opinions on Dominic Lovett? You got eyes on him?
1: Yeah, he hasn't. He wasn't somebody that I've completely dived into yet. And really, it is kind of surprising from like a typically underwhelming passing offense. I mean, this this offense hasn't had like a leading wide receiver uh, average 500 yards since like Drew Locke left in 2018. And Lovett's already at 460, just five games into the season. I mean, he's almost tripled his freshman yardage um, on like the same number of catches he had last year. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's completely unexpected. It wasn't something that I've even been really keeping tabs on until you brought him up to me, I think either last week or a couple of weeks ago. And it, it's just crazy. If anything, we thought this might be Luther burden because it looks like he was going to be the number one, but I uh, love it. Continues to tear it up. Um, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, right? 5'10, 180 pounds. Um, not, not completely small, but definitely on the smaller side, a little bit of a slender side, but I mean, he's leading a strong conference of players right now in receiving yards. And I mean, Speaking of that list, which is a little bit crazy, it's it's probably a bunch of names you really didn't expect to see at all. You've got Lovett at the top with 460, you've got Tavion Robinson at Kentucky in second place with 365, Will Shepard at, at Vandy for 365, Ra Ra Thomas at Mississippi State, 359. Brock Bowers is at uh number five here, 342. Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee. Maybe we expect that to be Tillman. He's at 325. Malik Heath at Mississippi, he's at 320. Justin Shorter, 2017, wide receiver one in the ranking class. He's finally breaking out, I guess, in like his fifth or sixth year here now with 314. And Antoine Wells at South Carolina at 309 at number 10. So this is just like a who's who's list of I don't even know who the hell these guys are. (laughs) But, I mean, it's crazy. I never expected to see all these names up here.
0: Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And I did get a chance to watch one game of his. I did watch that game against Georgia. I thought it was a lot of slants, a lot of just crossing patterns there. I didn't really see a lot of route running there. I um, he caught the ball, got surefire hands. Not a lot of yak, obviously, there. It's a tough defense, though. So, but one thing was noticeable. He does not respond well to contact. Obviously, you could have guessed by his size. I mean, he's like, what, a, a nice little 5'10", 187. So lighter, lighter than than what I would like personally for my receivers. But um, he, he got hit off his routes very easily. And it was just noticeable too, especially in the secondary. He was very obviously avoiding contact. I think he knew in his head that that's not his game. And if he kind of you know got hit off his route, like that was it. Like he wasn't going to be useful for uh, his quarterback there. But yeah, he's leading SEC. This is a guy that could get draft capital. But as far as like his skill set goes, and what I've seen on tape, I'm not. I'll dive more later because like I said I only watched one game. But I'm, I'm not thinking he's going to be a guy that's going to be successful the next level. He's kind of. I'm, I'm going to give you four guys, Corey. I just need you to rank these four guys. These are guys that I think are similar play style, similar body types. Zay Flowers, Jacob Cowing. Zay
1: Flowers is number one. Okay,
0: keep going. <laughs> Jacob Cowing, <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Presley of uh, OK State. And then um, Dominic Lovett.
1: Okay, it's definitely Zay at number one. Who's the number? Who's the two you said?
0: Cowing, Jacob Cowing,
1: Cowing will be number two. Then I'll put Lovett at three. And then... I will put uh who was your last guy you said? Presley. Presley. Yeah, he hasn't done nothing, right? I mean, he hasn't
0: no, he's had decent he's uh, he's being the targets, he's just kind of just being a slack guy. I mean
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not somebody that I'm super huge on. But yeah, I put Love it at third on that list. I mean, yeah, I think what he's doing in this offense that doesn't usually have this kind of production is definitely noteworthy. It's definitely something we've got to keep out keep our attention on. Um, but not somebody I'm gonna be like shoving up the rankings anytime soon
0: yeah no i'm with you uh and again Dom love it that's 2024 class he is a non-zero i thought that was interesting when i looked him up i didn't expect that so he's a non-zero uh but besides that i think he gets drafted sure but he's probably just you know a, a wide receiver three on an offense at best in the nfl level so that's where i am with him let's talk about the bray bay bro the Braylon <laughs> allen having a disappointing year man i mean he doesn't we knew he doesn't catch balls but uh you worried about him or what's up?
1: Yeah, so I kind of just took a look at like all his games because I kind of want to see. The season does feel very so so on, on a grand scale. Right? I mean, you look at the first game against Illinois State 14 carries, 148 yards, looked great. Um, but he did have the long run of 98 yards in this game as well. I'm you know, going on to week two to Washington State, a little bit tougher, still got the volume, 21 rushes for 98 yards. Okay, game, not the greatest. New Mexico State in week, in week three, 15 rushes for 86, but he did have a long of 39 as well. Um, but he also did have a three beautiful touchdown. So that one obviously looked a little bit better there. And then week four against OSU, very tough game to get anything going. Finally broke off that 75 yard run, um, against the second string, like midway through the fourth quarter, um, finished with 23 carries, 165 yards and a touchdown, maybe looked a little bit better on paper. Um, and now last week, eight carries for two yards against Illinois, right? So i I decided to take a look at the whole thing. Now I know we can't play this game where we take out the one long run, because really like that's, that's part of Braylon's game, right? He He's a big play threat sometimes, but just for, just for shits and giggles, I'm going to do it anyways. Right? So if we take out the longest rush in each game, Braylon's stat line currently would be 77 carries for 268 yards at 3.4 yards per carry. He'd be averaging less than 55 yards a game. And like, I listen, I know you can't base your evaluation off this, but I think it's interesting to look at nonetheless. I mean, I just don't know if he's having as exciting as a year as he was last year on a week to week basis. I know plenty of evaluators are are starting to move Raheem Sanders above him, like me and you have already talked about, like that we have done. And I just think like a so so season from this guy, especially a guy who doesn't catch passes and stuff like that, is going to be a tough sell for some people. I might I might not be surprised to see him moving down some rankings if this continues.
0: I just I don't know. I mean, the only guy behind him is Will Shipley. I mean, are you at the point where you put Will, Will Shipley over him or?
1: Yeah, uh, maybe because Will Shipley kind of has that that dynamic receiving ability that might translate a little bit better to the NFL if Braylon is just kind of looking like this two-down banger who doesn't have much else to his game. But right now, I'm still keeping Braylon Allen up there. He's got the size, speed, excitement ratio that I think the NFL is still going to love. Um, but, but who knows there, maybe, maybe he does we still got two years here left You somebody could pop up. Who knows? I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's definitely something noteworthy, at least the way he's starting the season, I think.
0: Yeah, I am worried about this. A lot of people have talked about how he's just a product of the offensive line. I mean, you'll get a thing to hear that from like a lot of running backs come draft time. And something that I talk about too, is if the holes open up because they have a good offensive line or if those holes roping up because he's manipulating linebackers to the next level. But I am worried about him. I'm with you. Uh, one thing that is interesting though is that he, he has five catches right on the year, five targets. He doesn't have a negative eight dot, like, he, he's getting like a little past the line. A little, yeah. I'm just saying, they're not just dump offs. So, I thought that was interesting, that kind of makes me a little excited that he's not just catching some dump offs here. But, no, yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little worried. I don't like Will Shipley can't run down the middle, Braylon Allen only knows how to run down the middle. So, I <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> I am worried a little bit, not enough to really panic. I don't think I'll ever get to that point. He's going to break off these big runs, to make himself look good. It's, that's just who he is as a player. He's just a, one of the more elite thumpers in the league. So,
1: yeah, I mean, even, even like not saying that this is the comparison, but even Derrick Henry looks like this on occasion, right? Where he just looks like he's slamming into line over and over again until he breaks that 60, 70 yard gain. So, so, I mean, it, this might just be the type of player he is. You might have to live with those small gains to get that big gain.
0: All right, let's roll into some other guys here. They're breaking out. Now me and you have talked guy a lot, but we can talk about him again today. Mm-hmm. Kendra Miller, right? TCU. We love him. Are you are you ready to make him like the RB six in the class? Because that's that's really the the debate on the positions here. RB six. Are you are you there yet or are you where's he at?
1: Man, it's approaching there. I still haven't really sat down and really figured out how my 2023 class is looking, but I, he definitely wouldn't surprise me to end up as like a top eight back in this class. I don't know if you knew this either, but I was looking, I just went to look at TCU's website today. I even put a post on, on Twitter or whatever. Did you know he's listed at 220 now? I thought he was like 206 or 210 or something. I know he was 206 last year. So he's 220 now, which probably means that the answer is somewhere in the middle. But even if he's like 210, 215, that's perfect with the way he looks. He looks absolutely like fantastic, man. Like he scored a touchdown in every game so far this season already. He's really picking up steam over the last two weeks. Last two weeks is stats: 30 carries. 278 yards and three touchdowns averaging 9.2 yards per carry and man he just looks awesome doing it. this tcu offense just looks awesome right now even with max dugan at quarterback like the sony dyke system that he brought is really making waves so far for everybody he's like this guy is breaking off tackles he's running through arm tackles he's sprinting away from trouble He's using subtle footwork that we were talking about he's spinning away he had that nasty dead leg for a long touchdown in week what i mean the dude is just really impressing me even in a timeshare in TCU. he's keeping that efficiency that he had last year which is what we were kind of worried about going on and and really it's been a career-long thing the guy's averaging like over seven yards per carry for his career i mean i this guy's going to be a, a big climber in this class
0: what happens if you take away his top rushing of each game like I you did I'd,
1: i would have to love- <laughs> I'd have to do the math, okay? But, yeah, I know he's breaking off some chunk gains already. We've seen that. He had, like, a 15-yard touchdown, 30-yard touchdown, 60-yard. So, he, I think he's breaking off more chunk plays at a, at a higher rate, at least right now, at least off the top of my head. But I don't have the stats in front of me for that.
0: No, <laughs> he is. The last two games, he's got uh, breakaway runs of four and three. So, four from SNU and then three against Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm with you here. I love Kendrick Miller. I think he's I'm not locking him in because there's just so much talent here in the running back class. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely floating around that six, seven, eight for me. In the class, let's go on the other side of the field of this game. Let's talk about um, Javante Barnes, freshman breaking out, six foot, 201. Uh, he was inside my top 15. I accused him of being an early down thumper, but he's got two receptions this game, man. So I thought <laughs> he's just gonna be a, a ground guy, so I really wasn't too interested in him on, on a Debbie level. I mean, I, I had him ranked, I was interested a little bit, but not as some of the other guys in the industry here. But, Yeah, dude, he looked good. I mean, 18 for 100, two touchdowns, two catches for, what was it, 12 yards or something?
1: Yeah, 14 yards or something like that. 20 touches on the day. So,
0: Yeah, so it's the last two weeks, well, week three and week five, 13 attempts and 18 attempts, it seems to be his, well, not his backfield, but he seems to be increased workload here. I'm actually, I'm just thinking about this now. I haven't looked, but is Eric Gray losing touches to this guy?
1: Well, no, like Marcus Major has been out. He's with injury. He looks like he's going to continue to be out. And Eric Gray actually got a little bit banged up uh, last week. So uh, Barnes stepped into the major role last week. And then this week, he even got a little bit more increased workload because Eric Gray got a little bit banged up through the game. Apparently, Eric Gray is going to be okay. um, So we'll probably continue to see a little bit of a split workload. But he could take over that Marcus Major role that that was yielding a little bit of results early in the season. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some more run while these guys are battling through some stuff. So...
0: Yeah, love it. He hasn't been breaking off any big chunk runs here, and that we're talking about that a lot. But uh, he's a guy here that's definitely rising on my boards. Uh, wasn't too low before, but you know, someone that I probably wrote off a little too soon. So shame on me for that. But <laughs> love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he looks him. good, and, that, and that's a big that's a big shout out to our Sooner aficionado there, uh, Nate Marquis, as well, who's been talking about him since the off season. Says that, that, that all of Oklahoma has been buzzing about this guy all off season. So it's nice to see that momentum is kind of carrying over into the season now.
0: Yeah. You love when, when they're not lying to you and hyping up guys and just to <laughs> let you know, but uh, let's talk about Judkins though. A guy that did get a lot of hype. Also not letting us down. He's getting more carries than Evans, right? Uh, Evans got a little banged up here. Seems to be the story of his collegiate career that he's banged up and doesn't want to take the full workload here. I mean, do we see this at the next level? Or is this going to be a guy that we're going to be constantly hyping up again and he's just not going to play like the full season? Like what What do you think you – what are your mind up in this backfield?
1: Yeah, like Evan's playing time was even kind of weird at TCU, right? He always kind of had been battling something. or Sometimes I wonder if it's something he wants himself. Is he trying to save himself for the NFL? Oh, I got my touchdown today. Let the other guys play. Let the young guys play, something like that. I don't know if that's kind of his thing because when he runs, he looks so freaking incredible. It doesn't look like he's hampered by anything. So I can't really – Put my finger on what's going on if he's just trying to save himself or if he is dealing with a little bit of banged up and he just doesn't want to hurt himself anyway. So let the kid get some run. He's doing really well. And, man, he looks – he looks freaking awesome right now I mean uh tight game in this one and and Judkins still got more carries than Evans I think he hit 22.5 miles per hour according to recruiting uh recruiting analytics this week so I mean he's he's hitting crazy speeds right now and and recruiting analytics by the way probably smiling from ear to ear right now because this breakout with this breakout because they had Judkins as their number one ranked back this offseason I think athletically I don't think overall but I think from an athletic point of view, they had him ranked as their number one backs this offseason. So I got to give some big props to them for kind of pointing him out early. He wasn't ranked super highly in this class um, from the, from uh, all the big recruiting sites. So it was nice to see that they pinpointed this guy. And it's it's showing up on the field, man. He looks dynamic. He looks awesome. Like clearly a top five running back in this class for me.
0: I can't really add into that. I can't agree more with that. Obviously. I love it. Zach Evans here. He was banged up. So I, like this game was kind of a poor showing for him. It's nine for 24 and one. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of just writing that one off. Like it's fine. Like he got yeah, hurt. Yeah. Junkins is getting it done. He's going to rest up. He's not going to hurt himself further or hurt his draft stock. I do want to say this though. old Miss, like, do you think they're just going to, they're going to transition to a run first offense? I mean, is that what you think their future is as a program?
1: I mean, it's possible, and they always use multiple guys. I mean, when you you were looking at Snoop Connor and Jerry and Ely and uh, Henry Parrish was there for a while, too, and they constantly use all these guys, and they all look good at different times. I don't think Jackson Dart has looked as good as we had all hoped. Even Trigg isn't having the biggest um, – the tight end there. Michael Trigg isn't having the biggest season that we all hope. So maybe they're just turning to what's working, and what's working is a running team right now. So seeing them transition into that wouldn't surprise me at all.
0: All right, let's roll into Xavier Worthy here. He's had kind of a roller coaster year so far. I mean, disappointing opener, two for 24 against Monroe, but he picks it up here against West Virginia, seven for 119 and two. You're worried about his long-term development. This is this kind of a – with NIL, this is becoming a hotbed of talent. I mean, we haven't really considered Texas much of a Debbie asset up until recently. What are your thoughts on Xavier Worthy here? He's, he's still, still top. What's What's going on?
1: Yeah, I think this game was actually a big vote of confidence for me personally. Um, uh, It was kind of the reason I wanted to put him on the sheet, too, because I think the biggest thing with Xavier Worthy that a lot of people were complaining about um, coming off of his freshman year was one, his size, of course, which is. We haven't seen anything done with that now, so we have to just put that to the side for now. And number two was his hands. Now, he was only credited with three drops last year, according to PFF, um, but he was a guy who typically let the ball come into his body a lot last year, more than people wanted to see, enough that it was noteworthy for a lot of people to mention it. You know, he didn't always attack the ball at at the highest point or catch point. This week, back of the end zone, he made an absolutely sensational grab, um, I think the ball even got tipped by a defender. He had to really concentrate. He was in between two defenders himself, and he had to focus on grabbing that ball, bringing it in. He was falling backwards towards the back of the end zone, still had the awareness to get the feet down, hold the ball, complete the catch. I mean, for me, it was just one of those moments where you just kind of sit and say to yourself, okay, like, okay, he might be putting it together as as that asset we want to see. And now we're hearing that Quinn Ewers could be starting this this weekend, Maybe um so I'm I'm excited to see that connection together and I I think this was a step in the right direction for him after kind of a so-so start to the season
0: I do have to bring this up though about him because I, I give a lot of uh heat towards Marvin Mitch I was always talking about how he's just a D threat guy he's kind of undersized it's been a similar story for Xavier Worthy now Xavier Worthy did that as a freshman and so my concern was going into his second year is this like what he is as a player just a down the field threat like just a field stretcher and he's just Locked into that role. And, you know, I talk about role players. I, unless you're, like, elite at that role, like, I could probably care less about you as a Debbie asset. This is a concern for my core. It really is. I mean, he's got – most of his targets are past 10 yards out. I mean, he's got a lot of deep threats here, too. So, I, I'm i worried about being a versatile asset at his size, too. Like, he's – it just seems to be, like, that's his role. So, I, I do want to just bring up that. That's a, that's a concern of mine. Are you, are you the same mindset or –
1: uh, yeah, I think early on that they're kind of just using his strength, his strengths for him in a sense, right? And that speed is probably his biggest strength. Um, one of my comparisons right now that I have make, I've seen a couple people make it as well, is Will Fuller. That's that's the comparison I have. The size is very similar. And I think the, ro- the style is very similar. I know we saw Will Fuller kind of with Deshaun Watson early in the season, sometimes kind of break into like those eight catch games, nine catch games where he was used a little bit more dynamically. But I really do think that's the kind of player Xavier Worthy is going to be. He might be, he might be a more like a Deshaun Jackson on the next level, someone who is a big yards per catch type guy um, that maybe doesn't do a lot of all the underneath stuff. But I think you got to use that speed, man. And the NFL loves that damn speed.
0: They're certainly using a lot of like screen game stuff here. I just want to let you know this, though. On um, balls past the line of scrimmage, his catch rate is 38.5%. I mean, he's seeing 26 targets for 10 catches so far. I mean, I mean there's, some re- there's some real red flags here when you look yeah, at his and receiving like,
1: like I said, this was a step in the right direction. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think all the problems are fixed. Like, like I said, the hands have been pointed out as a problem um in the past already but i i really do think this was a step in the right it was nice to see that concentration in that back of the end zone like that um but yeah we still have to see a little bit more from him um especially that catch rate right come up a little bit it's not as bad as as your boy Dontavian wicks over there i was about to bring him up too the- <laughs> it's not as bad as him but it's uh it's definitely noteworthy all
0: right oh noteworthy is that a pun yeah <laughs> Okay, we're moving on. on. Let's talk about Jalen Daniels here. Is he a Debbie asset? Last night you went into the Slack here at Camp Scan and you said Jalen Daniels compares well to Tyrod Taylor. And I immediately came on and said, You just killed the chat for the day.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. I mean, well, whatever, man. Jalen Daniels has absolutely been killing it right now to start the season, like especially for my c teams. You know, really fun player to watch, Uh, really exciting. I do see some of that Tyrod Taylor in. I mean, it's a similar size. Uh, 6'1", 250 pounds. He's got that dual threat ability. Um, even though he was actually a pro-style quarterback as a prospect, which I was kind of surprised at, um, but he's clearly got some quicks to him. They design a lot of runs for him. He gets upfield in a hurry, um, has good open field vision as a runner. Um, but the thing that really popped out for me this year is the arm talent. Um, Now, he definitely has a little bit of a loopy throwing motion. His footwork, uh, his base definitely needs some work mechanically. He's a little sloppy, but he can throw the ball with some touch. He can put some zip on it outside the numbers. I mean, he had that one touchdown in the Duke game where you put it it over top of the guy. He's fitting into tight windows. I mean, he's throwing it at almost a 70% completion percentage right now. Um, He's got one interception against 11 touchdowns. He's rushed for 80 yards or more in three out of five games, including a 123-yard two-touchdown effort versus Houston. And he's got a rushing touchdown every game this year except for one. So, like, relatively speaking to me, he checks a lot of the boxes as a Debbie asset, maybe aside from the recruiting degree. But it's hard to make an overall judgment over just, like, five games. I know he had a pretty bad game last week I wouldn't say bad, he just didn't do a whole lot, even though he still led them to a victory against a tough Iowa State defense. Um, but I just really want to see how this year continues to go for him. You know? I, I, like I said, when I sat down and looked at him, I, I saw Tyrod Taylor, who, who's had his moments in the, in the NFL when he left Baltimore and started for those couple of years. I see a lot of similarities there, so I'm excited to have him on my C2C teams, and I'm really excited to see how this year continues to go for him.
0: He actually is a really fun prospect to look at here. He He's on the smaller side for me. I care about size. It's 6'2", 15. Those guys that are smaller need to have like elite rushing upside. I'm not really sure if I'm there to say he has that like Lamar, hurts like rushing upside. But, no, he's got tools that make him intriguing. He does have some rushing upside. Hasn't played any defense really to note besides Iowa State here. Struggled a little bit against them, but he's someone that's exciting, dude. I just, as a whole Kansas, as like an offense, as a, um, as a coaching staff, they're like underrated. I mean, now they're properly rated. They, they're like ranked 19, I believe, but I'm not in on Jalen Daniels being a Debbie asset. He's, he's just, he's fun to watch. But I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm really decided.
1: Yeah. I think, I think right now he's just fun. And he's a guy that we kind of have, keep eyes on he's he's breaking out and it's a class that we're looking for a couple more guys to kind of to kind of put in that list and he might be one of those guys i could also see him staying for another year anyways to kind of refine that 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 throwing ability refine some of those loopy uh, mechanics that i see but yeah he's a fun player man um and you know i just want to keep moving on you know speaking of fun players um looking at a a team that maybe we don't talk about too much for Debbie aspects, okay? But I'm going to look at at UTSA, okay? This is a pretty freaking fun team. Um, You've got quarterback Frank Harris, who's another dual threat, do-it-all quarterback. Um, You've got two studs on the outside and Corian Clark and Zachary Franklin. You've got Joshua Cephas, who's an excellent complimentary player in the slot there. You've got Brendan Brady at running back who does well in in all facets of the game. And when I started thinking about this team, it kind of made me think about maybe like our next topic that we're going to kind of get into here. And that's talking about G5 players who might actually be on our radar as potential Debbie assets. Maybe they can make their way to the NFL, right? Um, Now, these guys are always fun to watch. They put up a lot of points. I mean, hell, UTSA is averaging almost 40 points a game right now. Um, But it doesn't always translate to the NFL. Um, But but still, we we see guys make it, whether it's Sky Moore, whether it's Jalen Tolbert. Um, And I mean, an opportunity for these guys is sometimes all that we can ask for. So, um, I wanted to get into a couple players that that maybe we're thinking about as G five G five guys that that might have that NFL value. And I'm going to start right here at UTSA and talk about their two stud outside wide receivers, in Zachary Franklin and Decorian Clark. Now, starting with Zachary Franklin. Now, I don't know if that's Zachary or Zakari. It, it reads as Zakari, but it could be Zachary. Um, but this guy has been one of my favorites UDC targets over the past couple of years. Um, he posts some strong advanced metrics early in his career. Not not crazy stat lines. Um, but he essentially led UTSA in receiving as a freshman. And I say essentially because he finished with one less yard than the actual leading wide receiver that year, but he also played in three less games than him as well. Um, He led them in receiving as a sophomore. And then again, as a junior last year, he kind of broke out with quarterback Frank Harris, where both of them really started coming into their own, finally broke that one K mark in receiving yardage. And now looking at this year, he's already just under 500 yards in the season on pace to hit or exceed those numbers again, um, and this is a guy where maybe the explosion doesn't always jump off the page. Um, but he, he's quick in and out of his breaks, shows some decent deception in the stem of his route. Pr- predominantly an outside guy, plays a little bit of slot here and there, so has some versatility. Um, standing at 6'1", 185 pounds, so he's kind of like that newer, trendier build that's a little more slender but acceptable at the NFL level now. Um, he's a fourth-year guy, so he's passing that early declare benchmark, unfortunately, but rumored to be a high 4'4 guy. Um, the biggest knock I probably have is inconsistent hands when I watch him. lets the ball get into his body a little bit too much, but, but also makes tremendous snakes outside his frame at the same time. So definitely something I just want to see more consistency from there. Um, but also just just turning over to his running mate now and someone who's kind of new to the radar into Corian Clark. Um, this guy had a little bit of a better pedigree, a three-star prospect. Um, even had some interest from Baylor at one point, but ultimately landed with UTSA. This guy's 6'2", 210 pounds, um, had pretty limited production, through his first two seasons over there, but quietly had a 52 catch 755 yard seven touchdown season as a junior. That was kind of shadowed by Franklin's big year last year, but he was somebody that could have been on the radar if you were paying attention. But this year Clark is actually the one who's leading the team in receiving with just under 600 yards. He brings more of that prototypical excise. Um, I even noticed a little bit of a release package with him, some patience moves some nice footwork, um, some strong catches in traffic, diving out in the end zone, laying out for those tough catches. So, I mean, there's a there's a chance I could be starting to get a little bit more excited about Clark, but I really think both of these guys um, might make their way to the NFL. And I think that one of them might even end up like the Romeo dubs, Jalen Tolbert of this 2023 class.
0: Yes. Jalen Tolbert, the success story so far. <laughs> hey,
1: you he got the draft <laughs> capital. Give the guy a chance. Okay. Give him a chance. Right, sometimes all right. that's all we need.
0: <laughs> no. So I see Corey here driving his the Korean and back to Debbie <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, good pun, so, good pun.
0: I'm gonna go take the ride over to UAB. I'm gonna talk about that's gonna, that's gonna be the
1: show. That's gonna be the show name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about Dwayne McBride. He's only played three games this year so far and he's almost he's almost had five hundred rushing yards on the ground between three games. So it's He's breaking off chunk yardage. He's a a thumper. He's an early down thumper who's got some wiggle to him, some good open field elusiveness. He has great size. He's not really a pass catcher. He's got two targets on the year, no catches. I mean, again, only three games. Hopefully that improves. But he's a player that I think can get that early day three draft capital, not day two. He's G5, let's be real here. But I, I think he can find himself in the committee um, and he finds us in one of those situations where he's just got a really thin depth chart in front of him. He might be somebody I might take a little earlier in my rookie drafts. So I, I like Dwayne McBride here. Had a terrible start last year, a legendarily terrible start. I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, But uh, he, he ended well and he, and he seems to be continuing the same thing. I mean... 76 for 495 and six touchdowns, three fumbles again, man. I don't know what this guy's problem is in not securing the ball early in the season, but like that's his thing. So anyway, uh six point five yards per attempt, and he's got five yards after contact. I mean, in 21 missed tackles forced on 76 attempts. I mean, he's got this guy definitely has the chops to be an early down back at the next level. So I I like Dwayne McBride here. And I do like Corey's decor, and I didn't really uh, comment on that. But I, I like his calls. Those guys have decor. Has great hands, dude. I I, mm-hmm, I should dude. say earlier. I love his hands. So, who you got next?
1: yeah no i i do like that that mcbride call he was somebody i was on earlier but we've had this discussion before last year was very disappointing to me this is the type of guy g5 i want to see them absolutely destroy the competition if they're going to make it to the nfl level and and he didn't necessarily do that he did kind of do it near the end of the end of the year and his efficiency is still doing great doesn't catch the ball so i'm a little bit more on the two down thumper from the g5 probably low hit rate in the nfl but I do see what people like size speed freak, um, big play threat. So uh, I'm hoping that it comes through for you. I know you've been hoping, I've been holding a hope for that guy. So <laughs> I yeah, hope that he, really
0: one feels like a, he feels like a 49er honestly in the future. You yeah.
1: So something like that, he, he's going to need to go to a somewhere where they'll give him a chance. Right. I think he's going to end up like a day three pick or whatever, even if it's a UDFA, but he'll get in somewhere. I know he'll get into the NFL. He's going to test. Well, I'm, I'm sure. So anyways, for my next year, for my next guy here, I am going to go over uh, and talk about a quarterback who I think will have a very, very polarizing offseason when it comes to his draft stock. And I'm talking about Coastal Carolina quarterback, Grayson McCall. Now, depending on where you ask, McCall might be a top five quarterback for some analysts, or he might not even be in the conversation. Um, He's been starting for Coastal Carolina ever since his redshirt freshman season. Um, Looked pretty damn good doing it. 6'3", 210 pounds, has a a career 70% completion rate, Um, has never thrown more than three interceptions in a season, has rushed for at least four touchdowns the past two years and he already has three in the book for 2022 um this is a guy who received pff's number one passing grade last year um and even the year before that had had the number four so he's had a top five grade over the past two years this guy has insane accuracy throws the ball with beautiful touch and and even brings a little bit more mobility to him you know there's a lot to like here but but now that i've talked about some of the good there's also some of the bad and that's starting with his offense um it's a little bit of like a gimmicky RPO offense that, that typically doesn't ask him call to expand uh, past his first read. Uh, and we saw this type of effect, uh, the effect this type of offense has on, on their draft stock with guys like Matt Corral and guys like Sam Howell during the draft process, right? Who we thought we were going to go a lot higher ended up day three picks. Maybe that offense had, had a p- part to do with it. Um, I'm also not sure if his athleticism is going to translate to the next level, similar to like a Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma who, who ran for a bunch of yards. It was a big part of his game in college, but, the athleticism didn't really translate to the next level. He doesn't really run around as much, you know, with these more superior athletes. And I kind of fear the same thing is going to happen for McCall, that that aspect of his game is probably going to be gone. Um, and I I worry about his arm a little bit. You don't see a ton of velocity in his throws. Um, he's rarely throwing the ball into tight windows, which kind of adds to his safe nature as a quarterback. So, so overall, I think his profile has plenty of good things. Uh, plenty of things to worry about as well but it's really hard to deny the production he's putting up and the type of accuracy he has like with that type of arm and the way that he can throw the ball i'd be surprised if he at least didn't get a shot as a backup at the next level so uh, that's kind of the future i see for him maybe there's a chance there he can start maybe he's like you know the next gardner Minshew or something like that but um he's he's a guy i'm watching but i'm a little bit skeptical on but if there's one g5 guy that i'm gonna put my my money on it's gonna be mccall
0: Alright, next guy up for me here is gonna be Rasheed Rice. Um I, don't know, I gotta pause. You said McCall is gonna be your G five quarterback, you gotta pick. What's that? Yeah. Did Seth Hennigan die? Like what's going on?
1: Why would I, why why does it have to be Seth Hennigan? McCall is a more advanced passer than Hennigan right now.
0: I hate that. We'll talk about this all <laughs> I love in my office. Right? <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll all talk about right. it. Let's talk about Rashid Rice. I talked about him last week. Not really going to say much different year. SMU puts in NFL talent into the NFL. They're pretty consistent. I'm actually going to lump in two guys here, but uh so he plays tonight coming off a of bye week. Can't wait to see him against US UCF here. Um he's had over 3 of his 4 games go over 130 yards. I mean, he's dominating. That's what you love to see. He's got good size. Uh I'm hoping I get to watch him live now on TV. I'm worried about what type of receiver he is, if he's a jump ball guy or what, because when you watch this tape, it's like, it looks like he doesn't really get separation too much. He does get, he does draw a lot of fouls, which I I hope to figure out how he does that, but he, he catches balls. He draws fouls. He's definitely the focal point of a passing defense of a secondary of a defense. So it's, it's it's a guy that's putting up numbers i like his size i hope the athletics measure up with it i'm gonna be looking i'm gonna be looking more for what type of receiver he is from closer to draft time i'm gonna we'll talk about his teammate here dylan gothney i talked about him a lot earlier in the uh offseason um not really a hit but smu always draws in these these uh transfers so you got like six years coming from rice like man i hate this COVID year. let me let the, let the young guys get up in there so Goffney is having less involvement than I would think he was so far this year. I'm hoping he gets more opportunity, like come halfway through, maybe some injuries happen and we can see more of Dylan Goffney. But SMU is the one consistent contributor in making Debbie assets at the wide receiver position. They don't get a lot of commits. Dylan Goffney with one of their higher rated commits they've had in a long time. So I'm, I'm, he's also, you know, a retaining piece. So he's got some retention to him. He's noticed the system. So he gets on the field probably next year a lot more. I really thought it would be this year, but. Dylan Goffey, man, that's, that's my guy.
1: Yeah. And going back to Rashi, to Rashid Rice there. I mean, uh, me and Brandon Lejeune from the Debbie dashboard, we did a, a film review on, i urge you to go check it out on, on YouTube. If any of you guys haven't seen it yet, but, uh, I actually can't wait pretty impressed with him. We were looking at his, his last year, uh, when we were looking at this film review and he's got some savviness in his route running, gets a little bit of separation, got some, got some decent hands to him. And, and the one thing that I do love about him is after we did that, um, he's actually been messaging with with Brandon Lejeune like saying like oh did you see my game did you uh did you see some some uh improvement did you see whatever so you can tell this kid like just wants to get better and that just makes him an easy guy to root for right this is a guy that you just want to see succeed at the next level when he's that down to earth he's gonna talk to us just tape heads over here nobody's you know so I love that about the kid so I'm I'm in his pocket as well I, I hope that uh we see him playing on Sundays. Um, but for my next guy here, I'm also going to talk about a wide receiver and I'm going to head over to Old Dominion and I'm going to talk about a wide receiver who's currently leading the nation in receiving yards, and that's Ali Jennings. Um, this guy was a three star recruit in 2019 who actually got signed on with Western Virginia and believe it or not, was not a year one zero there either. Um, finished the year with nine receptions for 192 yards and a touchdown in nine games. Um, unfortunately. He didn't really see the increase that we were hoping for the next year, though. He only followed it up with 48 yards and a touchdown in five games, Um, ended up transferring down to old dominion. And it started off a little bit slowly at the beginning of the year last year, Uh, only averaged 2.5 yard or catches and 35 yards through his first six games with the Monarchs. Um, now, down the stretch, though, he blew up once he kind of really found his footing, averaging 6.5 catches and 122 yards per game over the final seven games of the season. Um, now, if you haven't been paying attention this year, he's already starting the year on fire, currently leads the nation in receiving yards, averaging a hefty 21.5 yards per catch, posting an elite 4.3, 4.23 yards per team pass attempt, and currently has the highest dominator rating in the class. To me, this all kind of reads like he's clearly a step above the competition he's playing with right now. Um, he might just have the skills that are going to transfer to the Sundays. And, you know, if he can get that attention on Old Dominion, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing on Sundays. If mean, Maybe he's going to get that suit, that senior bowl stock. Who knows? I I'm not. This is just a guy that's clearly playing above his talent level right now and somebody that I think we need to keep our eyes on.
0: My next guy is going to be Elijah Spencer from Charlotte. This is a guy that I uh, talked about a little bit in the offseason, not not on this podcast. I just talked about him on Twitter. Some of my colleagues here. Elijah Spencer had a really decent uh, true freshman season. He's six foot one, one ninety-three. I don't think I think he's unranged as a recruit. So absolutely no pedigree there. But as a freshman, 28 for 379 and six touchdowns. So he was looked for in the end zone, looked early, got on the field. I want to say he was like the wide receiver four last year, maybe five for this offense. Uh, this year is expected to be the three, but he's looking to be like a 1A, 1B role right now. It's not a good team. I need to in the meaning. But if you ignore his terrible week zero, where he went two catches out of six targets for 18 and zero, he also had like two egregious drops. If you ignore that, the next five weeks, he saw over 95 receiving yards four out of five times. End zone three times in a row the last couple weeks. Uh, games against power five defenses against Maryland week two, four for 98 and zero week four against South Carolina, five for 59 and one. So he's finding success against good defenses, sec defenses, and he's finding the end zone. He's also doing it at a younger age. Well, I should say earlier eligibility? He's not like one of these fourth year breakouts. He's doing it as a sophomore. So he's definitely a transfer candidate. Someone i am keep my eye on. And somebody that I'm excited about, because with these like G5 guys, like, yeah, I mean, as a senior, you're supposed to dominate your league. I mean, you're supposed to. you're a senior, but he's doing this as a sophomore. So he's someone that seems to be on track for probably about a thousand, maybe a thousand one hundred receiving yards and a good amount of touchdowns, too. So keep your eye on him. He's got great size. I hope to be able to watch some more film on him. But someone that's definitely popping off the stat page. I've kept my eye on him since his freshman year.
1: Yeah, and the thing I kind of like about your selections here is uh, you, there's kind of some trends going on here, right? When I'm looking at his selections, he, he's got young guys who can still possibly hit that early breakout, um, can still early, hit that early declare, right? So I, I kind of like that about them. I'm kind of talking about these older guys. these fourth-year guys. these fifth-year guys. And I'm even going to move even deeper now, right? I mean, the one trend with my selections here is – a lot of these guys were well-respected recruits and maybe even were at a power five pro- uh, program at some point. And for whatever reason, either transfer down, ended up in a lower competition due, due to lower circumstances. Right. So my next selection here is a guy who is no different than what I just said. Um, but he's blowing up in place of Rashin Ali right now over at Marshall. And that's Kalen LeBorn. LeBourne. Um, now, for anybody who doesn't know LeBourne, he was a fantastic prospect all the way in 2017 and yes i did just say 2017 that's making him a six-year player at this point which has completely put him off the radar and that might actually be the case but this guy was once a five-star prospect and the number one all-purpose back in the country at 200 pounds um he was a, he was part of that 2017 fsu running back class that had three top 10 recruits it was kaylin leborn cam acres and a white um unfortunately LeBourne didn't really see the field as a freshman um only saw limited time in his second year as well mostly all this was kind of due to injuries and then right before the 2020 season he was dismissed from the team entirely due to some disciplinary off field stuff um ended up sitting out the 20 season um he did reportedly try to go to the juco route in 21 um but didn't seem to record any stats or maybe just didn't actually go through with it um i know he ended up actually getting his degree that year focusing on school instead during that 21 se- uh that 2021 year and then he ended up transferring to Marshall for the beginning of this 2022 season. Now, I'm sure he didn't really expect that Rashina Ali, who was a workhorse for Marshall last year, I think totaled over 1,700 scrimmage yards, over 24 touchdowns for them last year. I don't think he expected him to be unavailable to start the season, but it definitely gave LeBorn the chance that he's kind of been waiting for all this time, right? In five games into the season, Laborn has already rushed for over 730 yards. He's gone over 100 rushing yards in every game this season and has gone over 150 in three out of five. He's averaging 5.5 yards per carry and already has eight touchdowns on the season. Um, Now, I I don't know if any of this should kind of be a detriment to Ali, who a lot of people kind of like as a G5 guy because the system is just producing numbers, or if LeBourne himself is just really that good. Um, but either way, I've just kind of enjoyed watching this little career resurrection from him. I know it's a crazy long shot, because, but because his pedigree was just so damn good at one point, I can't help but keep an eye on this guy. You know, my c 2 seeds teams are, ho- are secretly hoping that Ali doesn't come back this year, to be honest. But I'm just kind of enjoying the ride with, with LeBourne right now and I- just loving what I'm seeing from him. It's going to be a long shot. I'm not telling you to go out there and, and acquire him. But don't be surprised if this is a guy who gets a little bit of buzz uh, as a UDFA or Day 3 guy coming into the NFL draft.
0: Okay, so I kind of erased the name of my next guy here on the show sheet while we were talking, man. Uh, just for everyone listening here, my next guy was going to be Tyrese Chambers. Uh, the reason why I put him there was someone I was watching last year. Uh, there's like no game film you can find for FIU, which was very annoying the offseason. But he was someone that I was watching because he broke a lot of um, T.Y. Hilton's like school records there. So I thought that was noteworthy one to see if if he was someone that was similar to that play style, whatever. Just someone that, that got his name out there to me that I wanted to see. End of the transfer portal, got a really decent amount of offers from like uh, Arizona State, Mississippi State. I want to say South Carolina was one of his offers. So he was getting offers by decent programs. Uh, last minute decided not to go. I think he got an NIL deal to stay. So, but he doesn't seem to be doing so hot this year. And I can't really tell you about what type of profile he plays as. He's a, I want to say he's like 6'1, one, like 190, maybe a little slender than that when you watch him play. But He's the guy that I was keeping my eye on. He doesn't seem to be getting it done this year. I'm a little, I'm a little out of here. So, um, and I do want to say too about Corey. One thing I love talking to Corey about is that we have different approaches to stuff, especially with this G5 section. As he said, I like the young guys. I like the guys that do it early in the G5 because that's really important because it's it's lower competition. If you're not dominating early, you're dominating late. Like I think I could care less. So these guys that come up early is what I like to see. I want to see be able to transfer to Power Five. You got. Cowing right now in the power five, you got Isaiah Neora who's hurt. You know, there's definitely some top level G5 guys that get transferred up into these good programs and they make a name for themselves. Uh, I don't, I think it's a personally, I hate when they transfer from G from power five to G5, that's a huge red flag for me. That means you couldn't hang with the uh, almost guys that are considered NFL talents, you know. So, I'm exact opposite as Corey, I think he's wrong, clearly. So, Corey, get better. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's just two different methods, uh, which makes it enjoyable to talk about guys and just and just love the different thought processes here. That's going to be it for our show tonight. Again, check out the other uh, podcast feeds at Campus Can. On uh, Monday, you got chasing the Natty. Tuesday, you got Campus Life. Wednesday, you got Bet on c to c Thursday, a Debbie debate. Cannon bound the official. Uh, Friday, you do have Back to Debbie. I know we said we're going to move to Wednesday, but real life is just kind of hitting us right now. We need a little bit of extra time, so... Sorry about that, guys. You just have to, you just have to guess when we're going to come on. But uh, uh, on Saturdays, eight to ten, you got the Better Sports app. The guys are talking. You can call in, ask some questions. You got the tailgate starting at ten to twelve. Then you got the College Fantasy tonight, starting where the primetime game is over. Make sure you're tuning to the YouTube channel. There's tons of content on there. That's going to be it for us tonight. Sorry to Dane Bruegler, We ran out of time. We'll have to reschedule you for next week. I'm Mike. This is Corey.